take you a copy of God's Word and find the Gospel of John, the 21st chapter. As you're turning there, make a quick little update announcement type thing. Um, for those that were uh, attended the uh, Bible conference, what a wonderful weekend that we had. I've had so many, so many wonderful remarks and testimonies about uh, the weekend and all that took place. And so I want to encourage you uh, to go ahead and just pencil in that weekend after uh, Labor Day or the weekend or two after Labor Day. Every fall, it looks like we're going to be heading that way. Um, I uh, went ahead and reached out to someone for next year, next September. I always tell people, if you want to get a real good speaker, you got to get them in advance. And so uh, we're going to be uh, looking at doing the same thing next fall. I know it's a busy time of the year. But we have all of the conference uh, downloaded on the video site. And so out in the mall area, uh, you'll see a table outside of one of the Sunday school rooms. And you can pick up a copy of all the material that was shared during the Bible conference. And then if you watch the sessions uh, online, you've got the material that Dr. Whitney made available for us. And so it's a wonderful weekend of learning how to simplify our life, focus on the things of the Lord. So even if you are not able to attend, you can watch the conference and you can have the material. If you go out on that black table to your right as you walk out and there are none of these there, uh, we can make more copies and, and have them uh, available to you. John 21. We were just singing that Jesus Christ had paid it all. And as we are bringing John's gospel to a conclusion, we left last week with the end of John chapter 20 and we realized Jesus paid it all. And the last verses that we uh, touched on, John chapter 20, there verse 30 through 31, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written... So you could almost say, this gospel was written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. You remember all of John's gospel, I am the great I am. That was it. I am God in the flesh. I am the fulfillment of the Old Testament law. I am the new covenant. I am the one that tears the, the temple veil from the top to the bottom. I am the one that we just sang about, paid it all. I am Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in my name. Period. And so you would think, well, that was good. But there's John chapter 21. So let's, let's read there John chapter 21, and I'm going to come back to those verses and kind of set us the information for where we're going. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, which we know is the Sea of Galilee. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. I love Simon Peter. I love Simon Peter because I think I gravitate toward his personality. Simon Peter said, you know what, I'm tired of waiting. I know Jesus told me to go to the mountain, 
and to wait on them. But it's just hard to wait sometimes, isn't it? Let's go fishing. I'm going fishing. They said to him, well, we'll go with you. They went out and they got into the boat, but, but that night they caught nothing. And just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And this word children would have been just a, a generic statement. In the, even though it says children, it would have just been, hey, have you caught any fish? And they answered him, no. Then he said, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved, John, therefore said to Peter, it's always John that could figure things out and it was always Peter that was the first one to act. Thenceforth my love for Peter. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put off his outer garment, he stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. What a scene. The other disciple came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but they were a hundred yards off. When they got on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, and the fish were laid out on it along with bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went abroad, and he hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them, and although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them and so with the fish. Now this was the third time, key word, Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Remember the upper room without Thomas, the upper room with Thomas, and now this third time at the Sea of Galilee. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What a question. Simon Peter, do you love me more than these? For he said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, then, if you do, feed my lamb. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, a little bit more personal, do you know me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And again, he said, tend my sheep. Verse 17, he said to him a third time, Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him for the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk in, a, in whatever you wanted. But when you were old, you, were, you stretched out your hands. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And this he said to show but what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to them, follow me. What an interesting verse and statement. You will die as a martyr. Come and follow me. Peter turned and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. And the one who had been the same one who had been reclining at the table close to him. Remember previously in the upper room. And he said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? 
And when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? What about him? Jesus said to him, it is my will that he remain. If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that of you? Peter, don't worry about John. Peter, you worry about Peter. Peter, follow me. So the saying spread among the brothers, I'm telling you, these are Baptists. They missed the meat of what was going on, and they were talking about what wasn't important. I'm telling you, the, the Baptists, Baptists have been around since Jesus. These are Baptists. So the saying spread among them, the brothers, that the disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to them he was not to die. That is a joke. We're Baptists. They, that's not what he said. We missed what was supposed to be heard. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things. Meaning, so finally we know that the beloved disciple is John. John is closing the letter, I am that beloved disciple. This is the one who other this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. John is saying, I wrote it. My testimony is true. I was with Jesus. I knew Jesus. I followed Jesus. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. And if every one of them were written, I suppose that the world itself, notice this, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Period. Lord, we thank you for the promises and the precious gift you have given us through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for Jesus. Let us be as those that we have seen in this chapter. Reveal yourself to us. Forgive us. Restore us. Send us. Let us love and follow you. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I mentioned earlier that really the, the, the book of the, the Gospel of John, you could say, ended right there in verses 30 and 31. But I thought about it this week. I, I do watch TV. I'm one of those guys that I try not to watch a lot of it, but I do watch it. That's kind of one of those things with television. I love it and hate it. You understand that? I love it, but I hate it. There's just so much garbage on there, but I, I, do, I do watch it. How many of you are like this? You get to the end of the season, and you're just like, I mean, immediately, this is how, how weird I am about this. The season will be over, and like Jethro is like about to die in captivity on NCIS. I'm going, what? And I will literally Google, when does next season start? And then a lot of times when next season starts and we figure out where Jethro is, and I've, I've totally forgotten, so then I have to go back and Google what happened last season. Think of it this way. If the Gospel of John started in, ended in chapter 20, we would say, praise the name of the Lamb. 
If we believe in Christ and we believe that he is the son of God, we may have life in his name. That'd be a great ending, wouldn't it? Amen. But then one of us would go, whatever happened to Peter and John and the other disciples? And John is saying, this is what happened to Peter and James. This is why we're meeting today. Because Peter did follow Jesus. John did follow Jesus. We saw the birth of the church as Jesus restored them that day on the seashore. So a lot of times as we read, we see that and there's, oh my goodness, as I was researching John 21, there were 18,000 different messages. I even saw one complete study on why there were 153 fish. There were, there were so many sermons on John chapter 21. So I said, Lord, allow me the, 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 the words to say and the congregation, the patience for me to preach it in one message. And here's the title. How we can live a life in his name. What does John 30 say? So that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John 21 shows us how the disciples had life in his name. How does Jesus change our life in his name? name so let's look at it verses one through four let's just kind of set the tone and kind of realize what this life could be like let me let me say it another way as we this is another way to say it as we attempt to live a life in his name number one there's always going to be the tendency to go fishing. Hey, we, how many of us believe John 20, verse 30 and 31? Amen. Jesus paid it all. Redeemed. Oh, I love to proclaim it. I know I'm saved. But there's always going to be the tendency to want to go fishing. Think about that. Take your Bible. Follow with me. Notice the disciples, they, they went to Galilee. But there's more to it than they went to Galilee. The key is not them fishing. The key is well, they were fishermen, they just went back to what they wanted to do. No, there's always going to be a tendency to go fishing. Here's the key to this. They were not being obedient to what the Lord had told them to do. The key is not they just didn't know what to do, so they went fishing. The key is they did not do what they were supposed to do. When you're not doing what Jesus tells you to do, you're going to wind up fishing. Jesus, and I, I've enjoyed so much preaching through John, because as you preach through John, you've constantly got Matthew, Mark, and Luke laid out, and you see the things that John doesn't tell you, and you learn what Matthew, and Mark, and Luke are telling you. You remember what Jesus told them in Matthew? You, of course you remember when he first saw them and told them, he said, Mary, go tell the disciples, go to Galilee. How many of us missed that? He didn't tell them to go to the upper room. He told them to go to Galilee. From the very beginning, Jesus said, go to Galilee. What happens in Matthew 28 on the mountain in Galilee? The Great Commission. 
So in the very beginning, Jesus is saying, I want you to go to Galilee and wait on me. That's what I want you to do. But the disciples went to the upper room. And Jesus said, these Baptists just don't get it. So he comes up to the upper room. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Go to Galilee. But Thomas isn't here. He doesn't believe. Go to Galilee. The next week, where are they at? The upper room. Where are they supposed to be? In Galilee. They go to the upper room. Peace be with you. Thomas said, I don't believe we're supposed to go to Galilee. Here's my hands. Here's my feet. Go to Galilee. Go to the mountain and wait on me. Now, that's what I love about Peter. For those that are going to the Jubilee trip, when you get back and you've never been to the Jubilee trip with me, you're going to say, he really is like Peter. Jesus said, go to the mountain and wait for me in Galilee. Jesus go, they, they go up to the mountain. Peter says, well, I'm here. <sighs> Who wants to go fishing? And Jesus said, all I want you to do is go up to the mountain and wait on me. So they go fishing. You know what we'll do when we're not following Christ? We're going to do what we naturally want to do. You know how many people tell me this as a pastor? This is, this is a great example. If I had a dollar for every time I've heard this in my ministry, we could fund all of South Florida with ministry. Pastor, I know I need to be, fill in the blank, but I just, I just, Pastor, I know I could probably, Pastor, I know that if I would get up every Sunday morning and go to church, that it would make a difference in my life because I know it would, but I just get so busy. Pastor, I know that I need to get up and learn how to spend some quiet time with the Lord, but I just get so, we're Peter. If we're not doing what the Lord wants us to do, then we're naturally going to gravitate to what we want to do. So then we try to convince the Lord why we don't do what he's asked us to do because that's what we want to do. Isn't that right? All I know to do is, well, I waited, and so we got to eat. We got, we're fishermen. That's all I know to do, so I'm just going to go. I'm going to go fishing. When I don't know what else to do, I'm going to do what I know I need to do and what I want to do and what I can do on my own. I'm going fishing. And the whole time, Jesus is saying, but if you will wait for me, you'll have a relationship you've never had before. But as long as you keep doing what you want to do, knowing I've told you to go to Galilee and wait on that mountain. Is that not our life in a nutshell? We know what we need to be doing. We know what Christ is encouraging us to do. We know what should be the most important thing in our life. We know what God is nudging us to do and how to live our life for him. But we're just going to continue to go fishing. How does that work out? They went to Galilee. They went fishing. And didn't catch a thing. Isn't that, isn't that just true? I got this all figured out. I'm a fisherman. Boys, let's go fishing. Who's got the bait? Who's got the worms? Who's got the nets? We're going fishing. When you're not in the Lord's will... You're going to work and work and work and work, and it is going to be absolutely fruitless. Let me give you a picture of someone in my life as a pastor. Here's that person. It can be Billy Bob and Sally. If you're Billy Bob and Sally and you're visiting with her this morning, the Lord did not put it on my heart to say your name. 
So we had Billy, Bob, and Sally, and they, Pastor, I know we need to come to church, but right now we're involved with it. Pastor, I know we need to be living life this certain way, but we are so involved with this, and we don't have time for that, and we got time for this, and it's just, Pastor, Pastor. So years later, Pastor, 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 we know, we know, we know, we know. 30 years later, I've been pastoring 25 years. 25 years later, I can still look at someone 25 years ago. They're still catching nothing. They just keep fishing and it's empty. They keep fishing and it's powerless. They just keep fishing and there's nothing there because what they're doing is what they know they need to do. And so you're doing things in your own power, your own authority, on your own might, and that's always going to be empty. Isn't that wonderful to hear? Quit fishing on your terms. And we just keep doing, we keep, you may tell you the definition, I don't know who said this, you know what the definition of insanity is? Doing the same thing over and over and expect it to be different. It took me a long time to realize if I keep eating butter pecan ice cream every night, I'm gonna get, and I would literally, this is a terrible scene to imagine, with me and my shirt off in front of the mirror. Honey, I really need to do something about this. Yeah, you do. I think I'll have a bowl of ice cream tonight. Okay. Honey, I don't know why my cholesterol. I mean, we, we, and what, what insanity is that? I'm going to keep doing what I've always done. Church is going to be sporadic. I'm never in the Word. I'm not praying. I'm not witnessing. I'm not living out the Christian life. But I expect the results to be different. It's going to be a continuous cycle of there might be peaks of some light satisfaction, the excitement of going fishing, the anticipation of maybe catching a fish, a little net or two in the net. But you will eventually come right back around and be empty and have nothing unless you change. I think that's the same thing with churches we keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and we wonder why the Lord's not blessing because we're fishing on our side of the boat now you know why there were so many sermons in that on John 21 number two man I want to live this life in his name this is what you need to do. When your nets are empty and you're tired of fishing, see Jesus Christ for who he really is. Now, I never could figure this whole reveal thing out. All I could do is just say, you know what? I have looked at that word in every Greek tense I can look at. I have done every commentator, every... We don't... I don't know. But Jesus just revealed himself. In the upper room, he just there. I don't know if he morphed through the door. I don't know if he was so quiet, didn't hear the doorknob open. I don't know. The door was locked. He revealed himself. Second time, he revealed himself. Road to Emmaus, he just revealed himself. And on the seashore, now here's the crazy thing about this. They weren't tired. They weren't hungry. They weren't eyes all that, slept all night. They couldn't recognize Jesus. I'm going to tell you, if there's somebody you're going to recognize, it would be Jesus. He'd already shown himself to you twice in the upper room, and so they didn't recognize him. We don't need to miss that. They didn't recognize him for who he was. He had to reveal himself. That word, he made himself known. He was standing in the upper room, made himself known. He's standing, notice what he says, and just as, now this, this, is, this is a southern gospel song too in here, just as the day was breaking, then comes the morning. When you're fishing all night, then the day breaks. 
And as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, but they still did not recognize him as Jesus. Number one, Jesus just appeared. Jesus reveals himself when the timing is perfect. Now, if I, I've said this. Aren't you glad I'm not Jesus? Because it's bad enough being John the Baptist. I would have caused like a, a storm. Just say, listen, I'm Gabriel, go get them. I'm tired of them. Go get them. They would be smitten with leprosy. I mean, just, but only Jesus can do this. It's a personal thing. I've had people tell me, Pastor, I was sitting in there. I have sat in church my whole life. Same thing happened to me. I was sitting in church for all the wrong reasons at Milner Baptist Church, and I was sitting there, and the only reason I was sitting there was to impress Sharon's mom and dad. I, was not a, uh, uh, I wasn't going for heresy. I wasn't a heretic. I, I was a God-fearing person. I think I was born again, but I was not living as a born-again person. But I was not there for necessarily wrong reasons. I was just not there for the right reasons. I was not looking to do anything but to impress Sharon's parents because they would not let her marry somebody don't go to church. And about halfway through that sermon of Brother Lanny Smith, Jesus revealed himself to me. And I remember sitting there going, why do I feel like I am the only person in this sanctuary because this message is for me? How did he know me? How did he know what I'm struggling with? How does he know that I'm playing church today? Lanny didn't know, but Jesus did. When we're tired of all the fishing, we have to see Jesus for who he is. He knew where they were. He knew what they were doing. They didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize him, I think, in a spiritual sense. They didn't recognize him in a physical sense. Think about the Jews. The Jews did not recognize Jesus for who he was. Jesus says, I am the Son of Man, of the living God. I am the Christ. And the Jews said, nope. Pilate said, nope. But aren't you glad the role of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God today reveals Jesus Christ to us? Look to that shore this morning. There's Jesus. With your empty nets and all the toil and the struggles and all that you're wrestling with, we see Jesus. He appeared to them, His providence. Secondly, is this idea of Christ. He directed them. How's the fishing? Not very well. Put your net on the other side. I know Peter. Who's John, what did he say? That guy says, put it on the other side. Peter, do you not does he not know what I I got this? I've been fishing. I have fished my entire life. I got this. 
as they put the net on the other side, guess what happened? The power of God manifested himself and the nets became full. All right, now think back. In your mind, look at Luke chapter 5. Very beginning of the Gospels, Luke chapter 5. They're in the boat and they tell Jesus, to, they tell, he tells Peter, and this is Peter, think about it, this is so good. Luke chapter 5, Jesus is teaching to tell Peter to go out a little bit so he can teach. They hadn't caught anything, they've been fishing all day. Jesus looks at Peter and goes, hey, put the net on the other side. And in Luke chapter 5, in the very beginning of the ministry, the nets are full. This is good. Can you imagine them fishing? Hey, how's the fishing? Who's that guy? I don't know. He said, put him on the other side. They put him on the other side. To me, can you imagine how all of this became known now? Peter saying, wait a minute. We've seen this before. John going, wait a minute. I recognize that voice. Wait a minute. I recognize that appearance. Wait a minute. This is the same thing that happened before. I remember once before when you, when you follow Christ and you, you hear Christ and you step out on faith and do the thing that Christ asks you to do. He always blesses it. He always manifests himself. That's what Jesus does. And then the, the text goes on to, uh, to, to tell us, and this is just this scene, it's just wonderful to me. The disciple who Jesus loved therefore said, I can't imagine, I can't imagine John going, it's the Lord. Can you imagine Peter? Now it says it's a hundred yards out. I don't know if he's swimming. I don't know. And so then I get to thinking, here's another sermon. What other time did we see Peter and Jesus on water together? This time he said, you know what? I'm coming. I don't care. I'm, I'm coming to you. We don't know if he swam. We don't know if he was needed. We don't know. It doesn't matter. But when he realized it was Jesus, he dropped his net and he got out of that boat and he went to the shore. The nets were empty because I was living life on my own. But Jesus is the only one that can fill my nets with his provision and power. It's kind of the idea, you're tired of living life in the flesh. Those results are working out good for you, aren't they? Or do we want to live life in the spirit? And so when our nets are empty, we just come to the Christ of the shore. He will appear, he will direct. Notice third, he will nourish us. What is the first thing he does to them? He feeds them. What a symbolic picture of our physical hunger and our, our physical need of fishing all night. And it's Jesus himself that feeds us. And then also we know there's a spiritual uh, filling and feeding that only he can give. And he feeds them spiritually. I made note of this. What a great picture of Jesus the servant. In John chapter 13, he washed their feet. In John chapter 21, he is bowing himself and he has prepared a meal. Jesus is always, you want to, you want, let me show you a great picture of Koinonia, biblical fellowship. Always serving somebody else. I'll wash your feet. I'll make you breakfast. 
I'll do whatever I need to do. Jesus said, I came and seek and to save that which was lost. He paid a price that is unpayable, but he did it for our sin. And throughout the gospel, he is continuously serving, serving, and serving. Then we see in verses 15 and 19, if you'll flip there, as we lean back on our own fishing and netting as we have that tendency to do what we can do our own ability and then we get discouraged and we realize that we need to turn to Christ then third we can see in verses 15 and 19 it is only Jesus Christ who can restore and empower and send us I go back to my life I remember sitting at Milner Baptist Church that night and I was sitting there on that night and it was just so real that my life was in such chaos because I was not following Jesus Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life and Lanny didn't need to forgive me Sharon didn't need to forgive me no one in Milner Baptist Church needed to forgive me only Jesus Christ could forgive me only Jesus Christ is going to be able to restore, to forgive, to empower and send you. I am not real, the real John the Baptist. I'm not, a, I'm not a priest. I don't have any magical potion. Sitting in that pew does nothing to you. Writing an offering every week will do nothing for you. Coming to every small group there is known to man will do nothing to you unless you come to Jesus Christ first and foremost for forgiveness, for restoration, and the sending of your entire life. What a life lesson as we look at Peter. Real quick, I know time is short, but hang on, this is good. It's not good because I'm saying it's good because God said it. Peter denied Jesus Christ to his face on the night that Jesus in the flesh needed all the support he could get. Anybody leave church on a Sunday and you can't wait for Monday and 10 minutes into Monday you've messed it up? Been there, done that. And you think, well, what in the world? I can't, even, I can't even make it through Monday. Imagine what Peter felt like. No wonder he got out of the boat. He couldn't believe that Jesus even showed up to even offer who he was. I mean, no wonder. He, just, he runs out of the boat and he goes to the shore and Christ feeds him breakfast. And then it's Jesus and Peter, one-on-one. Notice, notice what happened here. Verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to to Simon Peter, don't miss this, Simon Peter, do you love me more than these? Now, before I say any more, think about this. Imagine a parent talking to like a a pre-teen, maybe middle schoolish age child. Okay, so you're a parent and you're talking to a a pre-teen, middle school age child. You know what love looks like. And you know that that child is not living that love out. Does that make sense? It'd be like a wife that that looks at her husband and says, Husband, all I want you to do is love me. And the husband says, I do. You don't. You don't love me because... You're, you're not showing, you're not loving, you're not doing. And so it's this idea that Christ is looking into Peter's heart. This is what love looks like. And this is the love that is necessary. 
So that's one way to look at it. We see Jesus saying, do you love me this way? I know that you don't because I've seen it represented in your life. And so as a, as a, child, a parent to a child. But here's another way to look at it. Peter has already failed Christ once and twice and three times. There's also that element of, well, why, can I, why should I keep saying I love him in that way, but I know I never do, I never will. Here's what I mean. Jesus says, do you agape love me? Now, there's, a, there's four different words for the word love in Scripture. Uh, we're going to look at agape, uh, phileo, the two main words. Some people say we make too big a deal about their meanings. I would tend to say I think the words mean two different things. Agape love means unconditional love, nothing in return. I love you. That's agape love. Unconditional love, no questions asked, total devotion. I love you. Phileo love is where we get the word uh, Philadelphia, the city of what? Brotherly? I love butter pecan ice cream. I love coffee. My birthday's in April. I love a lot of things. Jesus looked at Peter. Don't miss this. Peter, do you agape love me? Here's us. Jesus, you know I phileo love you. not what he asked do you love me now there's a lot going on we don't know what's going on in Peter's mind I thought about something different this week I mentioned it just a few minutes ago it could be me at Milner Baptist Church that night do you love me I phileo love you my life is such a wreck right now. I know I don't agape love you. I, I phileo love you, but I'm, I'm sitting in a boat. I just was in a boat. I didn't trust you. I wasn't where I needed to be doing what I needed to do. I can't say that I agape love you, Lord, because I can never fulfill that type of life. I, I phileo love you. And he says to Peter, if you love me, then nurture my sheep. A second time, do you love me? Do you agape love me? Yes, I phileo love you. A third time, Jesus says, do you phileo love me? He met him right where he was at. Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Then, somebody say, you know, circle then. If you love Jesus, your life looks different. Then feed my sheep. Tucked in the middle of all that was the question, do you love me more than these? Gosh, that's one of those things. There's like 47 and a half questions I'm going to ask when I get to heaven. One of those is, who was the these? Was it the fish? Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than what you think's best for your life, what your goals in life are, what you think you need right now? Do you love me more than that? Do you love me more than the other disciples? Do you love me more than this? Do you love me more than these people? 
Do you love me more than these? I just, all week long, I was like, what is my these? Everything. Do I love Jesus more than my aspiration, than my pride, than what I want, than what I think I need, than what I'm willing to do? Or am I willing just to deny myself in front of Christ and say, I, agape, love you more than anything? That's a tough question to answer, isn't it? Do you love me more than these? Jesus was asking for total devotion, which is love. You think about it, that's all, here's here's in, in a nutshell, two greatest commandments, love God, love others. If you love Jesus Christ more than anything else, everything else is gonna work out. You know what I spend, here, here's why, I, 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 as a pastor, I'm going to let you in the pastor's world a little bit. I spend all of, I spend 95% of my time on the do's and don'ts. You know what that means? Sabrina, don't do that anymore. That doesn't make Jesus happy. Janice, do that some more. Diane, don't do that. Dot, see, you sit on the front of pick up. You get that? That's what a pastor does. How about coming to church? Please come to church. That's a do. Will y'all give a little more so people can have no Jesus in South Florida? Will y'all be a little nicer to each other out there? Hey, don't, don't, don't drink, don't cuss, don't dance. What else does Baptist not do? Don't drink, don't smoke. I think there's a song that says that. Do's and don'ts. I spend all my time on the do's and don'ts. Why? Because we don't love Jesus. If we love Jesus, all we'll be talking about is Jesus. Peter, I do love you. If you loved me, you'd be on the mountain waiting on the Great Commission, but you're in the boat. So yes, I have to worry about the do's and don'ts because you don't love Jesus. Amen, oh me. I mean, I think about this morning. Can I go ahead and say this? I spent the majority of my time this morning explaining why we're closing the balcony. Are you kidding me? People are dying and going to hell every day, and we're worried about where we're going to sit in the balcony. You've got to be kidding me. Get out of the boat. Lord, have mercy. Do's and don'ts. Just love Jesus, and we'll have a smile on our face. We'll be witnessing. We'll be fellowshipping. We won't be all cantankerous about everything. Just love Jesus Christ. I went up to a football player this week as a volunteer. And I practiced what I heard this weekend. And I looked at one of our football players in the middle of a drill. I lose focus sometimes. And I said, if I could pray for you in one way, what would it be this week? Here's a response of one of our senior, better athletes. Pray that my family would love God that's it if we love God we'll come to church we'll understanding this whole why we have an offering and tithing and giving 
We'll understand our language. We'll understand, I tell people, we'll understand why we're committed to church if we love God. We'll understand why we witness in the neighborhood because we love God. If you just love the Lord Jesus Christ, that's a natural manifestation of what that life looks like. So in the areas in our life that we are not living this way, all this indicating you're not loving Jesus Christ enough. And I'll be honest with you, that's something that I strive for every day. This is a weird prayer. Lord, help me not to love the church more than I love Jesus Christ. Because if I love you more than Jesus Christ, I'm going to do what you want me to do instead of what God's asked me to do. And then he says, just go shepherd the flock. We don't have time to go into this. I'm going to finish up on the van ride today. It said that Peter was grieved. I think he was grieved. Why do you think he was grieved? Think about it. Three times I denied him. Three times I needed to confess him. But this is what he told Peter to do. Tend, feed my sheep. You know what, we, you know what that, that, that looks like? It's nurturing it, it's tending, it's, it, it carries the idea of feeding. And Jesus said, I just fed you fish. Don't miss this. I just fed you, you go feed. You go feed the body of Christ. You go feed other believers. You go feed them the word. You go and nourish them. And, and Peter got it. Peter understood what that meant. Let me read from you in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. Peter writes himself, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Go shepherd the flock. Go and pour your life into others. Help others know me. Help others grow in their relationship with the Lord. Help nourish the body of Christ. Could you imagine what, what greater call do we have on our life than for us to go nourish the body of Christ and nourish one another in the word of what Christ has told us. Go feed my sheep. If you love me, go feed my sheep. John himself reminds us for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. 1 John 5, 3, John got it. This is how we love God. Keep his commandments. Listen to his voice. Follow his voice. Follow his will. And just do God's will. That's what it is to love God. All the other stuff just kind of works out. Think about Peter for a moment. He denied Christ three times. Acts chapter 4, he was preaching the paint off the walls. He stood in the, in the garden by a fire when Jesus was arrested and a little peasant girl came up and said, Hey, aren't you with Jesus? I don't know. Never said him. Nope, nope, nope. Acts chapter 4, he is standing in front of the man that condemned Jesus and he is preaching nothing but the Lord Jesus Christ. What happened? He met Jesus and he began to shepherd the flock. When Peter came to that lake, he was a defeated, downtrodden, discouraged man. But he saw King Jesus for who he is. And his life changed forever. And as we think about this, as Christ does restore, empower, and send us, last statement. We can remember this, 
Jesus is the Lord of our journeys. He says, Peter, do you love me? I'm going to send you out. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. You once were able to dress yourself, but you're not going to be able to dress yourself one day. Could it be like getting old or something? And one day with a stretched out arms, they're going to crucify you. We know history teaches us that Peter was crucified as Christ was by Nero. And that the history tells us that he, he did not want to be crucified like Jesus was crucified. So he was crucified upside down. Are you ready to live this life, Peter? Then follow me. Jesus is Lord of the journeys. And then Peter looked at John and said, what about him? Peter, I love Peter. Peter, I've got John. You'd get Peter. I'm telling these people are Baptists. Stop worrying about everybody else and look in the mirror. Jesus had a plan for Peter, and it went according to God's plan. Jesus had a plan for John, and it ended exactly like Jesus wanted it to end. When you meet Christ, and you follow Christ, and you love Christ, and you become fishers of men, and you start tending and caring for the sheep, and you start living out this Jesus-focused life, you won't worry about what you're doing because you'll realize what you're doing is not what you need to be doing. We worry about what we're doing when we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, but when you're doing what the Lord wants you to do, you're not worried about the outcome because you know you're where you're supposed to be. He's got this. I don't have to worry about a thing. If I'm worrying about everything, then I'm taking Christ out of it. He is the one that's in control. He is the Lord of all creation. He is the right hand of the Father. He's coming again. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's got it. He is the Lord of the journeys. They changed the world once they followed Jesus. Are we willing to even change our own home? You know where that starts? In your heart. Some of y'all are bitter. Some of y'all are discouraged. Some of y'all are going through tough times outside of your control. Some of y'all, if not all of us, are in places we wish we were not. Turn to Jesus. Get out of the boat and start following Christ. If he told you to do something, then start doing it. If you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to keep getting the same results. Just love Jesus. And then I won't have to spend so much time on the do's and don'ts as your shepherd. Love the word. Love Jesus. Follow him. Let's stand as we pray. Lord, let us not be a people that sing that we love you and not love you. Let us be a people that love you because we know that you first loved us. Let us be a people that love you because we have seen the ugliness of our sin and we know you died on the cross for that sin. Let us be a people that love you because you are the one that allowed us to be here and there's a great purpose in our life. 
a great purpose in our life as we raise our children, as we invest in our grandchildren. There's a great purpose in our life, whatever season we may be in, for your kingdom and your glory, full of peace and joy and purpose. Lord, let it not be church as usual this morning. Let us get out of the boat and come to Jesus. And this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.